0: 2022 has been the year of the Pioneer Builders rebuild.
1: You know, you're building spec homes, but they're still very high efficiency. And that's, you don't have to do that. So why?
0: Uh, It's rational, in my opinion. It makes sense. When I sell the houses and I meet with people, one of the number one comments I get is, well, that makes sense.
2: And the thing that, that I'm very skeptical of when it comes to social media and quote unquote building science is that no one that calls themselves a building science person is really, they don't work for a university, they don't perform tests, they don't work at a lab.
1: Those are the voices of Brian and Tim Euler of Pioneer Builders, my guests today on the Contracting Handbook podcast. Today we're going to talk a little bit about building on spec in the current economy. Here's some of their takeaways on building techniques and lifestyle they learned on the SIGA Swiss Tour. We'll take a pretty deep dive into tools But really, you just get to know the Euler brothers a little bit better today. My name is Mike Kinoki, and I'd like to welcome you to the 106th episode of the Contracting Handbook podcast. I'm a builder in Fairbanks, Alaska, and I launched this podcast in May of 2021 to talk more about the nuance of being a general contractor, the ins and outs of running a business, and the daily struggles. In the first season, I ran topical episodes such as client cold calls and first-time site visits and job site etiquette for those who are raised wrong. And also in that first season, there would be an interview with a construction industry professional. While we still talk about business on the pod, the conversation has really evolved into who we are as builders, no matter where we live in the world, because our experience is universal. No matter what trade, no matter what country, human relationships are the same. We're not that different wherever we live. If you enjoy this podcast episode and are inclined to write a review, please do so. This podcast is independently recorded and produced. It's unsponsored. This is grassroots. It takes a village, people. Well, that's enough out of me. How about a couple more tasty sound bites from Brian Timmy Euler before we get going?
0: Why wouldn't you want to save money? Uh, Why wouldn't you want to have more insulation in your walls? As long as you meet the loads that your house is going to see, then you're golden. In, in talking a little bit further, they're still dealing with the same struggles that we're dealing with. Uh, there's still mistakes that happen on jobs from time to time. But what impressed me was there does seem to be much more forethought that goes into the design of the projects.
2: But as I'm getting older, I'm definitely appreciating, don't waste the energy by doing everything so fast. It takes so long to fix things.
0: As far as that's concerned, our prices are going up. Uh, but we don't seem to be having an issue as far as procuring materials.
1: Uh-huh, but your prices are going back up now. Does your market still seem to support what you guys are doing pretty well? Do you have like a sense of in- increased risk at uh, all with the spec market?
0: Absolutely not. It's not supporting us right now, but it's not supporting any of us right now.
2: I'm realizing there are some people who are just deliberately stupid for lack of a better word, they don't want to learn. They don't, they just want to spew their opinion.
0: Not taking yourself too seriously. And I think being in a hurry to be offended is a good tack to take. But I think right now with what's gone on with inflation and everything else, we're just trying to be, use our capital in an intelligent way, and then ease over into the social media side to help get through this. Time period.
2: Not to get too hung up on what's going on in the world that you can't change. You know, you could just stay riled up all the time, right? Doesn't matter who you are and what your beliefs are or anything like that. That's what my mind says. But now my body's like, hey, (laughs) just so you know, we'd like to weigh in on your decision. We can't do this quite as much as we used to.
0: Is what are you currently trying to learn? What are you working on? What gap are you trying to fill? Uh, The rising tide lifts all boats, and right now the tide is going out.
2: And now I do, and I'm cooler, feeling cooler, not necessarily a cooler person, but
1: Welcome back to the Contracting Handbook Podcast. My next guests are a second generation of a home building family. They enjoy long walks in the park, flying drones, nature. One might really like tweaking ERVs. You may know them from the Build Show or Find Home Building. You may know them as Pioneer Builders, aka The Rational Builder, and Awesome Framers on Instagram, where they share their home building process. It's Brian and Tim Euler. Welcome to the Contracting Handbook, guys.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you. Yeah, good to be here.
1: So, is one of you the rational builder and one of you, like the rest, less rational builder, or is it just (laughs) the whole thing?
0: You want to take that to me?
2: Sure. So, we argue over who started that hashtag, but a while back, we were just, you know, we have to kind of walk a balance since we're building spec. There's a lot of things you'd like to do, but you can't necessarily do. And so, you just have to make rational decisions like what's the best for our customers and our climate, et cetera. So we try to just, I don't know, push that a little bit, like not be too extreme, but just we, the decisions we make today, they might be different next year. Uh uh-huh. Well, yeah, and everything that. in the process evolves.
0: Yeah. And that idea of being rational, what we see so much on Instagram is people have to build in very, in so many different parts of the country. And so, we have to build to a high seismic design category here. Florida might have to build to high wind. Louisiana somewhere else. Europe and Alaska. So not get hung up on how everybody has to build where they're at, but really take more of an engineering perspective in tailoring it to the loads that our houses are going to see.
1: Absolutely. And, and one of the things I notice is, you know, you're building spec homes, but they're still very high efficiency. And that's, you don't have to do that. So why?
0: Uh, It's rational, in my opinion. It makes sense. When I sell the houses and I meet with people, one of the number one comments I get is, well, that makes sense. Mm. And so I'm able to explain it because there's been a a logical thought process that's gone into it. Secondly, we can't compete with somebody who's a, a true production spec builder. Their purchasing power what they're gonna pay their laborers, and quite honestly, the quality that they put into their house, we can't compete. So we intentionally try to differentiate ourselves. Not everybody's driving around with a Lexus or Mercedes, uh, but we try to go for not a super high-end client, but a client that can appreciate what we're putting into it and spend a little bit more.
1: Yeah, and it's a legacy thing. And, and then those people buy your house and they know your, name, your company name is on it if they need to go it's got a greater resale value.
0: And if I had to ever make a t-shirt, it would be, um, I hate callbacks. Mm. So when I first started working with dad, mm-hmm. it just seemed like I dealt with problem after problem. So some of what's gone into the decision-making is trying to figure out what failed, how we can do it so that I don't get the email or the phone call, and then have to figure out how to fix it.
1: Absolutely, no one likes the callbacks. and. For anyone out there listening that doesn't know these guys, they're building high-efficiency spec homes, Brian's kind of building science, running the, running the show, and Tim's on Structural to make that building science work. Um, and they're so good at it that they were selected to join an elite group of builders that talk about tape very passionately on Instagram to go to Switzerland on a, on a SIGA factory tour. And I watch these accounts intently because I am like a I'm a big fan of a lot of the people that went. Um so you guys got to go on the Siga Tour. I'll start with you, Brian, on this. What was the a highlight to you of that trip? Doesn't have to be related to the product.
0: I think it probably is actually related to the product. It's how much work goes into these products that they produce, specifically with SIGA. Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many different factors and dials that have to be turned in order to get the tape to perform, say, within the parameters that they want. And in a sense, how many failures they go through to get to the point where they have something that they're ready to stand behind. So it's a very methodical, scientific approach to their products.
2: How about you, Tim? What would be your highlight? Well, that's a good question. You know, I don't remember how many people from SIGA we got to meet that were PhDs, but were not Swiss, and then are communicating with us in English and making like science understandable. the The one guy, he's a professor, or a, I think was a professor, wasn't he, Brian? First guy that did all the experiments.
0: Uh, yeah, I think he might still practice education.
2: Yeah. I mean, just a teacher. And he, boy, he had a hook, line, and sinker. And the thing that that I'm very skeptical of when it comes to social media and quote unquote building science is that no one that's that's uh, calls themselves a building science person is really they don't work for a university they don't perform tests they don't work at a lab but there mm. in SIGA we got to meet people who essentially they spend their whole day in a lab and so when they when they talk about building science it, it carries a whole lot more um yeah more weight I mean it's just like okay this isn't this isn't me repeating something that I've heard from other people who are repeating you know so and so But these are people who are really doing the science. And then the company has to make decisions. Like, how do we bring that to the market? And the thing I appreciated from them is it wasn't just a tagline that they were trying to leave the earth a better place for their children and grandchildren. You could sense the buy-in from people that were there that you just Mm. ran into or that were teaching us. Um, It just didn't feel like a corporate environment. It it definitely felt like they were trying to, to give us something as builders. That also leaves the earth in a better place
0: i'll follow up on that a little bit um what i keep finding with these companies is the corporate leadership is all in and it really does translate to those who uh, work with them so there was a company wrangley uh, that did uh, fabricated buildings absolutely incredible there was a historic window manufacturer and the gentleman who Uh, He'll push a broom, but he is sharp as a tack. He's an older guy. It really does permeate the corporate culture, the company culture from Mm -hmm. the top down. I was just down at a Schneider Electric Innovation Summit and the CEO and one of the other main guys, it's like listening to TED Talks and the whole culture follows in line with that. So that's something that I've taken away. Dad's never really tried to promulgate any kind of a company culture. He was just a farmer from North Dakota who started building. And while we're still real small, I I have to think, what can I do, not only within Pioneer Builders, but then all of the trades that we work with to try to help, um, you know, have a a good positive impact on everybody. Mm -hmm. I like that.
1: Um, Tim, one of the things I heard you say when you were sitting in for Steve Basic on Unbuild It podcast, you gave him, you're really giving Steve a run for his money. He's got to be sweating. That, that, was, um, that
2: was a big seat to fill. Let me tell you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Steve. Um, <laughs> and you, uh, one of the things you said, you and Jake were talking, and you said you thought things were just overbuilt, and I, I really thought that was interesting. I love those pods, by the way. But so.
2: Um, how so? How are they overbuilt? What do you think? I was just telling the guys we lifted a rake wall, it's all two by six, right? We're framing twenty-four on center. And we could see some of the shiners where the I won't say which one of the three of us did the nailing for the panels. <laughs> he was really irritated at himself and I was like, see if we built everything like the Swiss and it was all three by, we would never miss. And Noah was like, they're building out of three by. I'm like every stud's two and a half or bigger, wide, and then some of them were like three by ten and then multi layers. And so mm-hmm. I forget how thick some of those walls were. It's not built that way structurally. You know, it's not like it's the bottom basement levels of a hundred story, you know, skyscraper. So it just felt like, like there would be a way to meet in the middle because people on YouTube, especially they always comment on my channel. Well, no wonder American houses blow away. You're building with sticks. And it's like, I didn't really understand their point of view until I saw Germany and Europe, Switzerland, where they're building with timbers. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is a happy medium. You could get the longevity without, without the expense because all of those timbers now they're finger jointed. They're laminated. You know, it's not like we still have lots of forest here. You do in Alaska, Canada does Siberia does, but not so much in Switzerland. So they get real creative. It's beautiful wood, but it's like, It's harder to put those together to find the skilled workforce to do it. And then the cost to get into those homes or whatever they might be, you know, apartments or it's so high. So it just feels like there's a way to achieve the same goal and streamline it or, or lighten it up a little bit.
0: Yeah. Something similar along those same lines. We just worked with the new electrician and there was a comment on our studs being 24 on center. We've been building that way for what would you say, five, six years? I don't know how long it's been, but when I see a house at 16 on center, it looks like there's too much to it now. My eye has been adjusted to an efficient, clean look. So for the rational side of that, Timmy's still hauling the wood around. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you use less wood? Why wouldn't you wanna save money? Uh, Why wouldn't you wanna have more insulation in your walls? As long as you meet the loads that your house is going to see, then you're golden. So the electrician, he just uh, wired his brother-in-law's house or something, 12 inch on center. Do you know how many holes you have to drill? Take half of that wood out. Now, maybe there was a good reason for it on that house, but more isn't always better. Sometimes less is more.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I would love to talk more the, the folks over there about w- what's the trade-off point because here, like Brian, I, 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 think in one of the posts, you were talking about the, the walls were R 50 or something. And here I live in zone eight and we have a cold climate housing research center in, at the university where I live. And they've done all kinds of testing on, on different walls. And they pretty much say you hit R 40, R 45, and you're, you're diminishing returns after that. So these two-foot-thick walls people were building here for a long time, they're saying, no, 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 you don't need to do that anymore. Like we, Let's find a balance. And so I just think it'd be really interesting to, to get with folks over there and say, well, why do, why do you need to do R50 if it's not effective, in, especially in your zone? But if it's overkill, which gets back to Tim's point earlier. And Tim, you mentioned in that pod as well that there was more recycled components of building being used. But you know, here the general mindset is that, or the, the way they were building, they could recycle more later if they needed to. But the general mindset is it's not cost effective to recycle, you know, in, in North America. We're not really all about that. But did you guys learn anything else
2: about how they're pre-planning to reuse? building components? I'm sure that there's programs for like existing houses. Like we, we were there a week early. And so we were up in um, and Valley and walking around up in Vangen, they had, you know, the, the really old homes that have been there for at least a hundred years, if not longer. And then next to them is a house that's being built and they look identical, but like they'd have six or maybe eight foot cantilevered porches all the way around on the second or third floor. And so I could see a couple under construction and it looked like it was all like four by 12 you know, 12 inches on center. And it was really cool how they came out from the corners because they would wrap the corner. Mm -hmm. And so everything I looked at, it just led me to believe that maybe they're thinking about recycling, but that might be two or 300 years in the future for that particular structure. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and it doesn't look like they took a house down to put one in. So I just wonder what it takes to get a building permit, you know, and all of that stuff. And we didn't get into any of that on the tour. Yeah, you know, I was I was
1: pretty fascinated by a lot of stuff going on, and I really was interested in if you got to talk to any like regular builders, like your dad, like the your dad of Switzerland. Mm -hmm.
0: I got to talk to the gentleman who kind of ran the uh, trade workshop that we went to, Uh and he was a builder before doing that. And so I don't have too much to offer by way of that topic, but it was interesting. I don't remember what his kids ended up doing, whether it was being doctors or or what the deal was, but they didn't follow in his footsteps for building. And he said he worked too much. He was away from the family too much. So I, I do think there was an element of the people who ran the job sites over there got them spick and span and everything looked absolutely perfect. However, they knew there was going to be a bunch of people there filming and they put their best foot forward. Mm-hmm. In in talking a little bit further, they're still dealing with the same struggles that we're dealing with. Uh, there's still mistakes that happen on jobs from time to time. But what impressed me was there does seem to be much more forethought that goes into the design of the projects even the approvals in the cities, they had a, they'll put these big wireframes up and get city input before they can build anything. And so I, I think there's way more thought that goes into the actual construction and design. So there may not be as much need for the recycling element of things because it's so well thought out.
1: Brian, Aaron Jones was wondering if you drank out of the wrong fountain at any point while you're in Switzerland.
0: Yeah, so again, I was raised by a farmer from North Dakota and uh, they had fountains that were there for drinking water. And I don't even remember which one I, I, did I drink out of the one that was for dogs? It was something like that. And the the tour guy <laughs> just yelled, no, don't do it or whatever. Uh, it was pretty hot over there and I didn't have any water. and uh, so they had all these fountains for drinking water. And yeah, I, I did I it on purpose. Stay, just just to get everybody ones, to lighten up. I, I'm sure that's it's always it. always Brian,
2: yeah. But the, the lower ones were for dogs, you know, because sometimes it would kind of trickle out from one pool to the other, or one trough to the other. I know up in um, Lauterbrunnen, they had signs on all of them that, that we, um, you know, used the phones to translate. And it was like, it's okay to drink out of them, but please do not bathe your dogs in these. And sure enough, we'd see people walking their dogs and the dogs would just jump in.
0: Well, and if it helps, I was jet lagged. Uh, I d- hadn't gotten sleep in who knows how many days it seemed like. So mm-hmm. I think I've got a reasonable excuse there.
1: Tim, in the, in the podcast, you were reflecting on a personal takeaway that the Swiss mentality was to slow down a little bit, that you were, you were thought that, you know, slow down a little bit and make things last longer. But now that you're back into the, Fast and Furious
2: framing world,
1: how does that sit with you now?
2: Same. In fact, I, I think I did a post on Instagram last week or the week before, nailing off subfloor. And I think I said it a couple times last week, um, go fast by slowing down. And it, and it is that. You know, like um, the, the new Kyle that's working with us, it's all new to have equipment on the job site. You know, we're not generally not lifting walls by hand. Mm -hmm. because we have the equipment, we can build the walls bigger. And so like today we lifted a wall um, and he was just like, that took no time to put the overhangs on. You know, basically it takes less time to put them on than it would take to set up ladders to get up there and do it after the fact. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we were already kind of trending that direction, but as I'm getting older, I'm definitely appreciating. Don't waste the energy by doing everything so fast. It takes so long to fix things. And then it's, it's Mm -hmm. never quite the same. So like, for example, we don't want squeaky floors, but in the old days, you know, it was nail the floor down as fast as you could do it. And I see, I see that some of that glorified on social media where these guys are just like, they're dancing, like they're getting stung by bees laying subfloor. They're just like, they're all cavalier about how they're nailing it down. And it's like, yeah, that floor, you know, we don't want the floor to squeak, but a properly fastened floor is part of the structural element of a home. That floor diaphragm does a lot of work or can do a lot of work. So it's not just the squeak, the squeak just signals to everybody you didn't really care. But by the time we get done with the floor, I guarantee you that we have not taken any longer than most crews with fewer people generally. And the reason is, is because we have the equipment. So it's like, if you save the labor packing all the sheathing onto the second or third floor, because you have a forklift, then let's use some of that labor savings and slow down a little bit and then do a, do a better job. Plus we're not as
3: tired and that helps too. That's a good philosophy because you do having a, have a telehandler on site
1: takes days off projects. Days. Yeah. I mean, when I started out and I was moving, moving boxes and nails by hand, and they'd be like, now move it there. No, no more of that. So yeah. yeah. No,
2: new, new Kyle, he's like, it is noticeable that I am less tired when I go home at, at the end of the day. Fantastic, so
1: he's fresh, yeah, exactly. fresh in the morning
2: that's what it's made for <laughs> you know hydraulics turn they're very strong so let's use them what do you guys think the
1: the swiss said about the group after you guys left like did they watch the security films of you guys trying to figure out how to open windows and just drink wine and laugh and
0: i have put no thought into that whatsoever to see what they may have thought about us <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you, it was a little surreal to me to be going around a job site and have everybody with camera crews getting filmed. It's I just bet. a, it's a brave new world. And, um, you know, it's just part of the experience. You you definitely get to learn to see some of these guys and the professionalism that they take to this. Um, at the same time, I'm just a builder first who happens to be creating content, but, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of respect for these guys and the, the business approach that they take to what they're doing. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. One thing I would change next time, if we ever got to do this again, I would love for us all just to dump all of our footage, it, it just like cell phone and GoPro footage, not the professional stuff. You know, some of those people brought some pretty nice cameras, but like drone footage, just dump them into like a Google Drive folder, you know, have your name on it and then let other people use it or use some of their footage because you couldn't be everywhere at once. And like, like, for example, the, the bigger prefab shop, knowing what I know now, I would have gone in like right away and asked them, can we put a GoPro up on the top and just time-lapse for the next three hours? Mm. And then everybody can use that footage because watching them fly walls and beams around with the crane and the guy that had the controls on his belt and that thing moved. You know, I, I picture a little bit like Boeing where you have like an airplane wing go over from one side of this, this big warehouse to the other. That would have been really cool to have seen full wall sections move down. Um, it, it is kind of interesting to think about what were they thinking about all of us because it is an awkward thing that you have a bunch of people just running around with cameras and, and a few people, you know, they had somebody to run the camera for them and they, they did little intros and outros for their future YouTube videos and things. I know that if it was my job site, I would always be kind of looking sideways, like what, what's going on? But, you know, maybe they follow some of the, some of the larger accounts too. I don't know, but it is a whole different atmosphere. It's like everybody's bringing like, a, um, I would imagine it's like homes on homes or, you know, this old house mm. or, you know, some of the TV programs that we're rolling with film crews that, but we're not, we're not that level. Right. So I don't know. It's just kind of a, They didn't really, you know, they wanted us to ask if we were going to film, you know, any of the local. So um, some of them seemed nervous. Some of them seemed like they thought it was kind of cool.
1: We're in a post-COVID world. Did you guys talk to them or talk to anyone there about, you know, how things are affecting them?
0: Not from the, the, yeah, for myself anyway, I don't recall anything from the building side of things, but our base of operations was in Lucerne Mm -hmm. and it was humming. There, it was busy, but it hadn't been that way when the crew that tried to do this back in, was it this January or a year ago, everything blurs together at this point. And, uh, I mean, you could eat anywhere you wanted. There was no weights. It sounds like, but it was busy. So that was, it was encouraging to see. And I'm sure even more so now it's even opened up or people are even more comfortable with things getting back to normal.
1: Mm-hmm. and for you guys let's just kind of switch to where you guys are are you seeing are you are things getting better for you
2: are you facing some challenges still
0: i can't think of any honestly um the
2: only one this is kind of an interesting one last week when i uh sent the lumber list for the roof load you know and i needed like 55 or 60 two by 12 20 foot doug fur and i get a call back an hour later and they're like yeah we can't find any we found some hem fur and I, so I looked it up and the spans were, were well enough that I could make the substitution. But basically, the mill stopped sawing 2x12 there for a while because of high lumber prices. Nobody was going to use it. So that was kind of interesting. You know, it could be a month from now that I might have been able to find them. We still have quite a bit of shortages up here.
1: Well, electrical mainly is our, is our problem.
0: Yeah, we had a couple of lights that we couldn't get hung on the outside of a house because I think it was the mounting hardware that they didn't have. It's it's crazy. I was uh, chatting with a guy at that Schneider Electric Summit and they have these towers that they use for cooling servers. So this one was really cool. It was a hybrid unit. So it had a chiller component and using the refrigeration cycle. When you look at how many parts go into just one of those towers. And it only takes one item that's not available and you can't finish it. So these huge, giant manufacturing outfits that have to outsource from all over the place is just crazy. He said mm. um, he, he was mocking globalization. He's like, people would be outsourcing to save $1. And then all of a sudden, I mean, imagine if you've got 60 components going into one item and you've got you know snarls when it comes to trying to procure that stuff for manufacture. But as far as that's concerned, our prices are going up. Uh, but we don't seem to be having an issue as far as procuring materials.
1: Uh huh. But your prices are going back up now?
0: Yeah. You know, lumber is a commodity. It's always gone up and down. Right now it's down, but then you have the hurricane and then you go, oh, I wonder if that's going to cause a spike, mm-hmm. whether it should be or shouldn't be. Things seem to have stabilized just at a really high level. So I haven't gotten any emails or letters or anything from suppliers doing price increases but won't surprise me, you know, fuels back up there again and yeah.
1: Now do you does your market still seem to support what you guys are doing pretty well? Do you have like a sense of in, increased risk at uh, all with the spec market?
0: Absolutely not. It's not supporting us right now. But it's not supporting any of us right now. Uh, The rising tide lifts all boats. And right now the tide is going out. So I follow quite a few different zip codes on Zillow. So I get emails with price increases when there's new listings, uh, price reductions. Been doing this a long time and I've never seen so many price reductions. I mean, we're talking substantial. So those folks who are probably doing that are in a situation where they need to get out of their mortgage or whatever the case is. Uh-huh. And so yeah, it, it's not a pretty market out there right now.
1: Huh? And so what what risk what risks are you unwilling to take now, say compared to 2009?
0: Well, I won't get you know too deep into what our company's finances are, but it really no. depends on how much financing you have. What your terms are, what we can do now isn't what Dad could do back in 1978 when he started. So we've been pretty conservative for a lot of years, and typically what we do when this happens is we rent the houses out. So we've got one house that's finished and for rent, but we're being a little picky with who we're going to rent the house out to. Sure. Um, but that's that's kind of the plan right now. We've got two tougher houses there two stories with a drive under. So it's not going to be for the well-heeled baby boomer who can't really walk up and down stairs. So it's a smaller market for more young professionals who are probably work from home who would end up uh, doing something like that. So that's the plan for now is to rent some of these out, let the market come back and then sell them.
1: And are you seeing any, are you seeing a strong uh, labor crisis where you live to like a, a deficit? I know you just picked up some subcontractors. Are you struggling to find that kind of help?
0: We were. I don't know how much, Mike, you follow sports, but sometimes a team goes through a rebuilding process. 2022 has been the year of the Pioneer Builders rebuild. We've never mm. had, to, had to work with so many new trades. Uh, huh. Electrician, good buddy of ours, he let me know, you know a few days or so before he was... I said, hey, we've got a house ready to walk through. I'm not going to do new construction anymore. So I had to find a whole new electrician. Uh, we got had a really hard time finding a good plumber. We've got a new excavating contractor. I'm sure there's somebody I'm forgetting concrete. out there. Who was the other one? Flat work. Yeah, concrete, doing flat work. That one's been years in the making, trying to find somebody to work with. Mm. So that's been huge. And even finding um, good labor to work within the company has been kind of tough, but we've got a way better team now than we did last year or the year before. I think we have the best team we've ever had, but it definitely took some work to get there.
1: Well, I'm glad that's working out. That's it it is. I know how stressful it is when you lose a good partner. How do you deal with trolls? What is, you know, this is something that I, I actually saw, Tim, I saw something that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
2: Yes. Emotionally. You don't
1: get <laughs> I mean, I, is it hard? Is it hard not to get emotional when someone's
2: ragging on your work, especially when they don't know what they're talking about? Um. I don't like for me, I don't take it personally. I've never really cared what other people think. I always knew I wasn't the tallest. I wasn't the skinniest. I'm balding, as you can see. <laughs> That's life, right? I couldn't care less. My whole thing is, is like social media for me started out as just kind of fun. And way back in the day, it was really fun to be on the JLC and find home building forums. Like much of what we do now was sparked from those discussions where mm. it was a guy on the East Coast, like we built rake walls. And then I see a guy on the East Coast that puts overhangs on them. And I looked at the rest of the guys. I was like, Would we have ever thought to put overhangs on them? So that is kind of a carryover for me, where it's like those guys all shared what they knew with me and whoever else was there, respectfully. Uh, one of them, I, I found me on on Instagram, and it was like, Oh, Joe Carolla. I love that guy. And so. I don't really care if somebody wants to just come out of the gate and tell me that you can't use that screw to hold rafters down for hurricane tie, even though I put all of the information in the caption. But what I do get really annoyed at is the sheer arrogance of some people. And. Everybody should be treated with kindness, like I don't call people stupid. I call myself stupid all the time. I mean, I mutter and I'm just like, come on, moron, you could have done that. Right. But I won't call somebody else that. But. I'm realizing there are some people who are just deliberately stupid for lack of a better word. They don't want to learn. They don't, they just want to spew their opinion. And so I can get real annoyed with that or I'm just like, come on, man. Like nobody needs that here. Then I realized Instagram gave us the feature where you could restrict them where they don't know that no one else will ever see their comments. So I restrict people left. And if you come on and you start calling names, you're done. You don't get a second mm-hmm. chance because we were all taught that in kindergarten and first grade. And so if you haven't learned that lesson, I'm not going to teach it to you. But at the same time, there's no point in blocking them. So I just let them rant and they're just in, I, I like to think they're in a padded room. So I just ignore it for the most part, or I'll try to, um, I'll try to address it for somebody who might read that comment later. And maybe had the same thought, but just wasn't going to put it out there as rudely. And so that's why I try to be pretty specific about what's in the caption. And then, then I respond with read the caption. And, and if it's something like, I know if I post on a, on a Simpson screw, you get all kinds of people that are like, you can't use screws, they break. And it's like, well, not if you design the screw for it. And, and here's a, kind of an interesting one. Last night, a guy was going back and forth. And I could tell he was really—he—he wasn't rude, but he was definitely telling me I was wrong. And I just kept responding to him. Have you read the information? I put it all in the caption for you. And so finally, he did, and he—he wrote back, and he's like, "I read it. I'm blown away. And now I need to eat my hat." And I was like, "No, you don't. This is a brave new world that we're in. Like when you look at the fasteners that they're using in CLT, and we saw some in Switzerland. These things are two feet long." So for those of us that have broke three inch screws, you know, you, you twisted them with your drill and they broke. It's understandable to be skeptical. So I really appreciate, like, to me, we shouldn't all have to agree, but we should be able to respectfully disagree. And usually out of those kinds of discussions, everybody gets a little bit better. But I will not tolerate rude people or name calling. You're, you're done. And I, so I have a bunch of terms that I use on Instagram that are, um, that basically will automatically block the comment. So swear words, you know, sexist comments, homophobic comments. I don't care what it is, things that belittle. When, anytime I get one and I'm like, oh, that's a new way to spell that one. I go and I add it so that it's blocked in the future. And, and it keeps it pretty well contained. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, it's a great feature. Unfortunately, I had to learn that feature from some prominent female influencers who really have to deal with things I can't even imagine. And so they have to get pretty creative with what they block too.
3: Yeah. I can't believe some of the things I see, uh, on their, on, in their feeds.
0: Yeah. I would, as far as my account, I don't really get many negative comments. Timmy's got a way bigger account, way more visibility. Uh, Facebook, is it's like uh mad max out there it's just wild so i spend almost no time on it but boy the negative comments in fact i posted one from uh wrangley swiss where a guy's using a staple gun (laughs) the vitriol was just unreal and then you'll get like one guy who's an engineer and he's like this is the this is the best thing it's just obvious that the guys know what what he's doing or whatever the case is so you kind of have to accept where the direction's coming from. And, and for me, I just move on. I don't spend almost any time responding to people. <laughs> what, 20 or so years ago, I got this email one time and it was, it was kind of nasty. And I didn't know who it came from. So I just corrected all the grammar and spelling and what have you and sent it back to them. And then I found out later that they did that to a bunch of people just to see what kind of a response they would get. They were just trying to get a rise out of people. And I didn't get wound up. I just corrected his grammar. And so the other day, there was a troll on Timmy's feed. He uh, invited me to be a collaborator. And so he was spouting stuff about insulation. And so I just got technical with him, not intentionally trying to prove a point and what have you, but and then he just shut up he never responded after that. So it maybe I'll do something like that. But for the most part, I actually try to take the, uh, maybe they're being genuine, or at least I'll be somewhat polite to them. So somebody said something the other day, and the written word can be misconstrued. So I just replied, I can't tell if you're joking. And it ended up being a fine discussion. So Not taking yourself too seriously. And I think being in a hurry to be offended is a good tack to take because if if you're going into it that people are saying negative things, you're probably gonna imbue some of your own emotions onto the way you're reading it instead of being a little more dispassionate.
2: What what can be really challenging is if you get somebody, I had a guy on YouTube yesterday. You know, I so I'll overcut a rafter, stand on the tail and show people how it affects because it's one of those big discussions. You should never, you know, cut past the lines so that the scrap falls out. Right. And a couple of years back, I was like, well, how do I know that, it, that it, it's not a big deal? And so I, I drastically overcut one, stood on it. And it was like, and so this guy on YouTube was telling me that I did the whole scientific analysis wrong. And I responded to him that I didn't do anything but show, you know, I always call myself 185 pounds of pure muscle and some other stuff too. And no one ever catches the second part of that. And so I'm standing on like a three foot tail that I've way overcut and I make the comment, I would never do this, but I just want to show how the tail reacts. And so the guy tells me I did all the testing wrong. And I was like, no, all I did was just stand on the end of the tail and show what happens, you know, put the rafter over and do the same thing. Then he started to name call and tell me I'm way too soft for social, you know, for YouTube, social media, this and that. And I responded back to him and I was like, I didn't say anything that could be construed that way, but your second comment in, you started name calling. And so I see that he responds to me, well, you started it. And I'm like, wow, this is third grade. But so I think there is a point where you can try to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. You could even defend your position, but it's almost like if you're going to try to stay on social media and keep your sanity, you almost would have to limit yourself to, I will never respond to the same person in the same thread after the initial. Otherwise, you know, you could just go down the rabbit hole. It's an argument. It's, you know, some people, what I've noticed is most people will shift. They might say something upfront, like you can't sheet through all horizontally and you can respond or, or vertically, you know, whichever side they're on. You can respond. Well, you know, the APA says we can do this as long as we do panel edges they won't respond to their initial statement and in your response. They'll now respond to something else. Like, well, you're mm-hmm. a hack builder who builds 24 on center. And it's like, well, I thought we were still talking about the other thing. And and so I, I really do think that there's just no point in going any further. If, if they will not acknowledge what you responded, then you just move on. It's just a waste of your own time.
0: I had a college professor and one of his quotes that he said so many times was, You can't reason somebody out of something they didn't reason themselves into. And so not that that's 100% true all the time, but if somebody's approaching it from an emotional wound up perspective, you can try to talk them down off the ledge and help them out a little bit. But at the same time, it's just social media. There's way more important things in life to be paying attention to than people who literally go around trying to antagonize people. I, I won't give them the uh, the dignity of that.
2: I'll, I'll check too sometimes. if I'll see, do they follow me? If they do, then they kind of already know what's going on. And maybe I'm not interpreting their response correctly and give them the benefit of the doubt. If they don't follow me, then that means somehow it came up on the explore page or whatever it is. And they're just a drive-by troll. And um, two years ago, I was really in a bad mood about some of this stuff. And I was on the phone with Mark Martinez and he was like, block him." He goes... I block 40 people a day and I, and I kind of felt like to be fair, I wouldn't block people on social media unless it was really foul. Well, it's my account. That comment section is mine. So I can curate it if I want, I don't need to let everybody's opinions out there float. And so I just started, if if you don't follow me and you come in with name calling, you're automatically blocked.
3: Mm -hmm. If
2: you follow me and you're super rude, then I'll just restrict you. And it's just me being passive aggressive and kind of like, you know, look at the person that doesn't exist next to me. I'm like, did you see, you see what I just did? <laughs> usually I'll just message take root and I'm like, you got to use the feature, man. It's pretty fun.
1: When I put a house, a spec house on Facebook Marketplace a few years ago, I couldn't believe what the trolls were doing. I was I, I, like, this is a really nice, simple spec house, but it's perfect. It's, it's well built. And I, I was just, Blown away by what people were saying, and I look up who they were, and it was they were they were nobody. They didn't. They just got on there and they find each other and they piled on, yes. and that was hard on me because it was a house I had just built and finished and was pr- very proud of. But you know, like anything, when you're dealing with clients, whatever it is, you gotta you really gotta let things roll off your back and be rational.
2: And not take yourself too seriously. We try, as a family, we try really hard not to do that. You know, be able to tease each other. And, you know, that, that's why I'll post mistakes. Because we, it's, we're all just humans, right? It's, we're all dealing with the same stuff. And I, I, what I have liked about the Instagram community is that people are generally pretty helpful if, if they're going to comment. They're going to be um, a little more engaged. So, but you can't take yourself seriously. So, you know, I had some guy say, you know, it's really cool that you, you put a, um, a stick on the beater board when you're, you know, knocking in sl- um, subfloor. But he's like, where'd you get the giant gut that's hanging over your belt? And I was like, where do you think, man? <laughs> and, and I could tell he wasn't being like rude. He was just like almost like I guarantee you if I saw him, he probably looks just like me. And you're mm-hmm. both just lamenting what it's like to be in your 40s and, and you need a cleaner diet. Then, then I think that does help too, the account. If people can see that you don't take yourself too seriously, then they're more likely to maybe ask questions mm. because they realize we're all kind of the same. You're all kind of figuring things out. You might've figured out this one better than me, but maybe the other one. So like the rigging video I posted last night, most of the comments didn't really apply because people didn't understand what they were looking at, but still... You have a bunch of guys that have operated cranes for years that chime in. You have people from Europe that are like, here's what we use, which we've looked at before, they're not rated quite high enough for what we need. But it's like, would they have felt comfortable doing that if you always pretended like you were you were it? You're the you're at the top. And I think people are more willing to share what they know if you're willing to share what you know and also your mistakes.
0: Yeah, interesting comment from Mike with uh, Greenside Design Build. Anyway, builder out of Chicago area. And so he was with us in Switzerland. And what blew him away was everybody is exactly who they were on social media. So he thought it was kind of all smoke and mirrors. And Mm. no, uh, pretty much you, uh, no doubt there are those who, you know, have a facade and what have you, but everybody was who you think they are, for better or for worse. But I think that being real. At least that's been Timmy's in my approach is just here's what we're doing today, and we're just guys, we're just dudes, and it mm-hmm. it seems to resonate with people. And if it doesn't, that's okay. I lose followers left and right. Uh, i I try and not look at my metrics too much because it's like, whoa boy, I don't know what I posted there that people didn't like, but anyway, that's part of it. so what's the
1: what's what's the future for pioneer builders? You guys got a plan like retire?
0: I have no idea. Uh, I don't know how much time we have, but the, so my son was beating me at checkers, and he's young, so I had to look up on YouTube how to win at checkers, and uh, there was this nice account, whether it's true or not. There was a guy who was good at checkers, and it wasn't that he had a whole huge planned out map, but at every move, he reanalyzed the board looked at the different options, and then he would make a decision. And then, you know, it goes through this little example of that. And what dad has always done is, at each move, look at at what the options are and make the best decision at that time, Hmm. you know, to the best of his ability. So right now, Timmy's in his mid-40s. I'm in my early 40s. I've got a couple of boys and a daughter who may want to get into the industry. They might not but i think right now with what's gone on with inflation and everything else we're just trying to be use our capital in an intelligent way and then ease over into the social media side to help get through this time period you know in 2007 2008 we had a bunch of customs but we also ended up renting houses and looked at the tax ramifications of that and it made sense but we had never had that many rentals in the past. So now we're in 2022, it's it's a different ball game. So from my perspective, what can we do so that Timmy enjoys work and can continue producing content while at the same time you can't be you cannot be a 40 hour a week carpenter forever. And so Would how that. can we transition out of that so he's Just this year, he's been taking on more of a load with subcontractor management, project management, and that type of thing. So that seems to be the path that we're on.
2: Yeah, at the start of the year, we probably could have given you one answer compared to now. But all of the plans that we made and we thought we communicated very clearly and had buy-in, you know, we're going to build smaller houses. They'll be easier on our body. They're generally, are easier to sell because we're in a Navy town. We've got the shipyard and um, Joint Base Fort uh, Lewis-McCord is not that far away, and then we've got Boeing across the water, and you know, blah blah blah. And so that was the plan. And then all of a sudden, I was the only employee left in the field mm-hmm. besides my brother-in-law. And so it was like, so as far as I'm concerned, Brian's answer is spot on. I think as like what I would have, my my initial response would have been. We're going to keep building. And the core group is our family. We'll, we'll add people here and there. We'll do, you know, make those decisions as they come. But one thing COVID did for us is we, we all could kind of be bubble buddies. You know, Brian and Beth and mom and dad, they just live. We could, we could walk over there in 10 minutes. If we rode bikes, it'd be five. You know, we could walk through the woods quicker than we can drive around. Right. But it's still only a five minute drive at best or at worst. And so we didn't, I didn't feel like we were as affected by the pandemic as a family in the sense that we weren't separated from each other or the grandkids or the nephews and nieces. We got, to, we got to stay together. And now that things have kind of changed at work, we've all just realized the only people you can really count on is family. And you can count on other people too, but, but you just know we've all been together, in my case, for almost 45 years. <laughs> we'll be together you know, for a lot longer. So we'll just make decisions that allow us all to enjoy life, enjoy work, not stress too much, enjoy each other, go hiking, you know, take the kids out for a walk. Um, you like, we just went down to Oregon for a week with Nikki's parents, because they had been caregivers for the last couple of years. And if Brian's kids hadn't gotten sick, they would have all been down there and mom and dad would have been down there. And it's like mm-hmm. my sister, you know, she lives close. She might come to Vegas for international builder show. And it's like not to get too hung up on what's going on in the world that you can't change. You know, you could just stay riled up all the time. Right. It doesn't matter who you are and what your beliefs Absolutely. are or anything like that. But it's just like, Let's just stick it out as a family. Let's just do the best we can there. Social media has been good for the business because it's developed relationships, opened up opportunities. It's kind of breathed more life into it. You know, it could get stale and there's always something new to learn or something new to try. You know, I could make the joke about Steve at the beginning of the podcast, but I really like Steve. I can learn from him. If I needed to, I could call him. You know, it's like, that's where I'm just... Pretty militant about we just need to put our best foot forward and try to be kind. And and I'm going to fail at that, right? I'm going to honk or I'm going to get upset when somebody pulls out in front of me, but I really try not to do that because it doesn't do any good. And you never really know what's going on in other people's lives. You don't. You just have no right. And it's like, how many times have I been on the wrong side of that where I wish that somebody had given me the benefit of the doubt? And so it turns out that if you, if you try to do some of these things, you end up with a lot less stress. You're not a lot nicer to your family. You know, they might want to go on vacation with you or so it's like I'll, I'll frame. I can't really frame walls until I'm 50. I did a rake wall with, um, with new Kyle that's working with us because I wanted him to see how it goes together. And the next day I was like, yeah, I can't spend the whole day bent over like that. Like I used to. it's you got to split it up i can spend part of it and i think that's Mm -hmm. good it'll it'll keep me healthy so like yesterday i packed the sheeting there's only 10 sheets what difference did it make you know we brought it over with the forklift but
1: you felt it today
2: no no i was feeling good and we went for a really brutal hike on on last friday and i felt really good on saturday so i think being able to spread some of that stuff out can really add some longevity but um dad's always set a good example of never being the prima donna he would do the cleanup he would move material stack files and so that's just kind of trickled down i've always been the mule because i didn't want the other guys to think framing was boring or like it was just grunt work like i wanted like noah today we lifted a rake wall i have this prototype of of a bluetooth that connects to a mesh network so he and i can communicate real time And and it was awesome i don't know that a lot of other companies would have let him operate the forklift with the boom at 60 degrees and, and boomed way out. And, but I know that he needs the, the self-confidence. And so it's like, do it. We're going to go slow. I'm going to run down and we'll double check things and we'll run up. And I think all told, when I turned the camera off, it took probably an hour to lift the wall total before, you know, from the time we went and got the machine, brought it in, the actual lift only took about 20 minutes. But it was like, I could see the spring in his step when he got out of the machine because he did a good job operating. Mm. There was no, we were all safe and all that good stuff. But it's like, I don't mind being the guy that has to climb the ladder or, or pack the sheeting. But at the same time, Brian and I've been talking about it quite a bit. That's what my mind says. But now my body's like, hey, <laughs> just so you know, we'd like to weigh in on your decision. We can't do this quite as much as we used to. So now we just spread it out a little bit.
1: I can relate to that. I've definitely my mind and my body are not matching goals some days and I don't like it. Yeah. I want to be like, I want to go, I want to like check that box and, and not have it take two days. So I can relate. Um, I know you gotta go soon here, Tim. So
3: my next question is from Ryan Smith, your biggest fan. Um, he says well, he wants
1: to know what your favorite DMB tune is. I knew it. He already, I knew. As soon as you said
2: Ryan Smith I was like this is a Dave Matthews fan question.
1: <laughs> Cuz he said he already knows what your favorite tools and clothes are. So Yeah.
2: Yeah, right? Um, Two Step. We've seen Dave live at the Gorge like I don't know maybe 15 times. And they always go on these jams for Two Step and it is that I think that's my favorite of all their songs.
1: I used to see him in the 90s in, in Colorado before they were anybody really.
2: Yeah, like Red Rocks no. or?
1: No, at, at, like at the. the, uh, the uh, I'm spacing the name of the theater. It was right in Boulder. Is that Fox? Fox Theater. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a live workplace.
2: album from Fox that was, that was pretty good. I like that one. Yeah, it, it's kind of a joke on the job site. No one wanted to listen to Dave like 20 years ago. And I, I, I tried, but I didn't really care for it until I bought a live album. The listener supported. And so Kyle, I think just to bug the other guys, he's like, let's listen to Dave. Well, there was a few days where it was just him and me listening to live Dave. And, and, and then it became our go-to music. If we were in bad moods or the weather was bad, because those guys have so much fun playing together that it's like, okay, today's got to be like weekend on the rocks. is like what four CDs, like just shuffle it. We just needed it in the background. And then Ryan also has
1: a question for Cheek Cut over here.
3: He says, Do you miss being on site with bags next to your brother?
0: I really do. Yeah. There's just not, I, although to be fair, I like every aspect of construction. It, it really doesn't matter what it is. But framing, unfortunately, my personality can get way too meticulous and too micro. Um, I enjoyed framing, if I can use the expression, because it can be good enough. There are rational tolerances to say that's okay, Mm -hmm. as opposed to finished carpentry or furniture building where that wouldn't be so good for my personality. But there's a, yeah, framing is, I really enjoy that side of construction.
1: Ryan also wants to know if Tim's a good uncle. (laughs)
0: I think we're out of time, right? So maybe we'll pick that question up later. Just kidding. No, he is a good uncle, uh, but he gives no quarter either. My oldest son is, he's got self-confidence coming out his ears. And Timmy has no problem. In fact, I should try to find the the video of them playing basketball. And Timmy's just driving on him or backing him down. (laughs) And little Ethan was probably six or seven and Timmy 185 pounds plus. Your muscle. Yeah, there's a a thing in physics called inertia, and I think we saw it in action that day.
2: Yeah, I like Ethan is he doesn't take himself that seriously either. Like if you if you really burn him, he laughs. He appreciates it. Hmm. And I really feel like the guys I got to work with when I was younger, it was all day teasing, but it was never mean spirited. Or at least very rarely mean spirited. You know, it's like um, like my nickname growing up was Tubbs. <laughs>
0: I mean, I guess that would.
2: It, it's like I was always stocky. You know, it's like I wore a husky. <laughs> so, it's just I kind of like. It's okay to tease. To tease, teasing is good. It's like my wife says, "It's our love language. We all tease each other." So it's with Ethan, even though he's a kid, if he wants to score, he's got to earn it. Uh-huh but I'm not going to be like rude about it, but I'm not going to hint, give him an inch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got some more questions here that are kind of directed at Brian from
3: Michael Anchel. And the first question is a sand County almanac. What business lessons are you
0: taking from it? Is he going to listen to this podcast? He better. I'm just kidding. I finished the book. And so that was good. I really enjoyed the first part of it. Um, I didn't really apply it to business, to be honest with you. I just enjoyed the perspective. Um, actually, he and I did DM about that. The author's vocabulary. You almost have to just sit down with a dictionary next to you. I, I can't mm-hmm. remember... I read one other book that was similar to that, but that was like a sailing book, and the terminology was, you know, pretty pretty specialized. But I think part of it is people haven't changed a whole lot. It's pretty relevant today as whenever the gentleman was that wrote it. I want to say it was in the 40s that he wrote it. So his his viewpoint covers uh, a, a real interesting time period in U.S. history. But I think uh, a lot of things that he has to say would resonate with people today if they read it.
1: What do you think? What do you think of the noble pursuits of those who history remembers?
3: What do you hope to be remembered for? You guys can both answer this. I know what my answer is, but I want to hear Brian's first.
0: You know what? I think um, so. Who here, by a raise of hand, knows who any of the architects were for the pyramids? so nobody's raising their hand i don't know if this is going to be visual so imhotep allegedly was one of them nobody knows and it's literally the last of the seven wonders of the world still in existence so who cares like i just have to say none of us are that special or that important if nobody remembers me other than family and friends i'm okay with that so i would rather Those who do remember me, just, hey, he was a nice guy, or he helped me, or he made me feel good, or whatever the case was. I'm not really into making a big name for myself.
2: Timmy? You should have said, I want to be that guy that was known for being really fast with a 10 keypad.
0: Well, there is that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my answer is the same. I couldn't care less. Like To be honest, if social media wasn't now part of our business, I'd be off in a heartbeat. I enjoy it. It's fun. I love the friendships and, and the information that I've learned. But I I'd rather be out hiking. <laughs> Frankly. I, I like the fact like the pike that we went on Friday, when we turned the corner, it said it was four miles each way, but it was very clearly five each way. And that last mile was brutal. And it got to a point where I wasn't gonna stop. You know, and I'm tracking with my with my watch, mm-hmm. my heart rate. And then we got up there and it was just like there's no one else here. This is normally like a packed hike. It's beautiful. We walked down to the lake. There was a um, a man and woman that were having their wedding pictures taken. They had hiked it up there at 4 a.m. And it was like, even though I don't know who they are, you kind of still shared the experience. And it was like, they got outstanding pictures. It was like, who cares what we're known for? I know some people really want to put a mark, but I, I just think maybe they're thinking, well, I won't, I won't comment on their motives. I just couldn't care less. I don't need to be remembered for anything except I don't want to be that guy. Anything with yeah. that. Yeah. He just is trying really hard not to be that guy. <laughs>
1: if you guys could ask someone, any guest on
2: my show, a question, what would you ask them? Um, from, you know, okay. I want to know how Ryan draws so precisely. And then doesn't he's not only just precise with his drawings like his developed drawings he has turned that roof cutting into furniture making and i don't care if you put a guide if you give me a table saw a track saw i won't cut anything that
3: pretty so it's almost like is he a human cnc machine he's got to be an android i think you're on to something yeah he's got us all fooled yeah he's actually not an earthling
2: (laughs) He just pretends to like Dave Matthews, man, but he doesn't even know what music is. He was programmed to like Dave
3: Matthews.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I think my answer to your question, like about Michael or other builders is what are you currently trying to learn? What are you working on? What gap are you trying to fill? Periodically, people will ask me questions about resources and things. And it's not been this methodical, but in hindsight, I've always been a steady stream of taking in knowledge. Like back in the late 90s, I started with Builder Magazine. I have looked through every Builder Magazine for over two decades. And there's a lot of other magazines that are similar. So you just kind of are exposed to a lot of different things in a general sense. But right now, I'm really interested in solar, um, on-site battery storage smart grid type things and so that's where my brain is at. So I got an amazing DM from a guy getting much more technical on inverter technology and some energy loss you can have if you're going from AC to DC and things like that. So now that's where my head's at is trying to learn these things a year ago. It wasn't really on my radar. So for any builder, what are you working through right now? And uh, that's, that's what I would ask.
1: That's a great question. Because we're always evolving. Sometimes we're just trying to play catch up <laughs> and trying to understand what's happening around us. And then finding that time to have new pursuits in your, in your uh, to build up your building knowledges.
3: Let's do a little speed round. It's a kind of a Euler speed round, though. You know, starting with, who's the favorite son? Jimmy me all right
2: (laughs) (laughs) now you got to have mom and dad on there it really bugs my sister too
1: that would be awesome if they popped
3: in oh man just have not popped in right now (laughs) all right so who's the best looking same answer smartest me Wait, was that what smartest? Are or... What are
2: looks? This is an existential question. Because <laughs> me at 20, you know, I peaked at like 15. So it's been a downhill slide.
0: Well, I've always said about myself, I don't know if this is going to make the podcast. I am very nondescript. I, I hope at least that's the way I see myself. I am neither ugly nor handsome. I am. I'll just say I am I'm, I'm am i would be a great assassin. Not Not for the whole death killing part, but nobody would remember me.
2: He's forgettable, yeah.
0: I'm very forgettable.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Except for the tens of thousands of people who watch your stories every day.
2: I did, so here's kind of a weird thing. This stuff is pretty weird. Down in Bend, walking to REI, this guy just looks up and he goes, are you a framer? And I was like, yeah. And so he follows me, but he didn't know my first name. And so it it was really kind of a funny experience because it was like, I I wasn't surprised, frankly, because there's a lot of guys that, that... You know, Bend has got a a good framing community. But it even happened at a waterfall in the middle of the night in eastern Washington. And that was what the guy led with. Are you a framer? Yeah. Is your name Tim? Yeah. You're Sonic Screwdriver on Instagram, aren't you? Because we we both followed each other. We just never met in person. And it was kind of funny, but yeah, being being forgettable. Who's the smartest? That's definitely Brian.
0: Timmy's underrated. Did you ask that question, Mike? Who's the most underrated? No, the no. <laughs> smartest. Or did Timmy just come up with that?
2: No, he asked. <laughs> oh, yeah, who was that, was it, that was Tim. That was all Timmy. Oh, okay. Who's the smartest. He's, he's trying to sneak in there. Who's the smartest.
0: Well, I'll say a little, little known fact about Timmy. He went to Olympic College as well. And uh, you went all the way through accounting 101 through 103 or whatever, if I remember right, with Mr. Snap. I think so. Yeah. So Timmy does have a some finance and accounting background and drafting from his high school days. So I saw what you drew up. I didn't even see it the other day for how to do the insulation for the guys in SketchUp. Oh yeah, that was pretty cool. It's easy,
2: you know. That was a Gary Katz thing, you know, ten years ago. Was learning SketchUp. I'm not that good at it. Yeah, Brian is. Um, you know, like if we took IQ tests, we're probably pretty similar. But Brian's very disciplined and if you give him an hour to learn something, he's probably gonna learn more than most people because he's gonna be disciplined about it. He's not gonna get distracted or scattered, but it's like, he, there's a reason for him to be there. So it's, um, I am not as disciplined, you know? And, I, and that's why early on, you know, we talked about way back starting another company. And I was like, I just really wanna be on the job site. And, and I don't regret it at all i've really enjoyed it and i still enjoy it and, and when you have a good team on site and you're having fun and you know yesterday we decided to play pearl jam 10 album which is like mm-hmm. what from 1992 1991 mm-hmm. neither of the other guys was born in that decade well maybe kyle was no it wasn't because he's only 20 now <laughs> so it was like I, I just it's it's a lot of fun to be on the job site but i think that um I think nowadays you really do need to bring a whole lot more than just your back to the job site. Just with seismic codes, if you're in hurricane areas, energy code, you know, all of this kind of stuff, it's not just to throw your body at the work, but there's a whole lot more thinking involved. And if you can learn some drafting or some 3D modeling, it can really help.
1: Well, the resources that are out there for us now are just, it's so much greater. You know, that's like when Ryan and I talked about it on the pod when we were starting out you you bought a book
2: it it would be a joke on the job site when shane was working with us because he's he's i think 22 and and he didn't grow up watching a lot of media like tv or or movies so we would always like make a reference and then we'd look at him and we're just like do you know who robert de niro is (laughs) And it's like (laughs) no and it was like whoa so massive generation gap Mm.
3: yep but you don't feel that old yeah. At least well, in I the brain.
2: Well, I think Kyle like, or Noah will go get coffee or something. And they're like, oh, is it father taking your son to work today? And I'm like, no <laughs> like, oh, way. He's like 6'3". Clearly, he's not my kid. But I'm like, oh, wow. He totally could have been, you know, I could have a kid in college right now.
3: Let's do some tool stuff. I've got two of you. So this is going to take
1: a minute. But favorite tool. Tim, I'm going to say it's your, it's your router on a stick.
3: <laughs> and then Brian, it's your lower door?
0: I don't know. I like all of them. I was just using a metal detector today to try to do septic system troubleshooting. Hmm. That metal detector is pretty awesome. Thankfully the metal was ferrous, so the metal detector picked it up. But um almost every tool in my truck is specific for a purpose and uh so mine's way broader of an answer any tool let's
3: take Uh, over the podcast there he he is is anyway (laughs) okay he's back i usually have my phone
0: turned
1: off during these things so sorry about that that's
0: all right
2: He gave a great answer and he said i'm not saying it again
0: when i can't (laughs) repeat it it's unrepeatable at least um, I've, I've recorded
1: it though i'm no one's ever going to know that phone ran.
0: no i i've got so many tools that i drive around with that are pretty specialized things so mm. pretty much any tool that meets a specific purpose uh which is one I, of the things that i find so cool is yeah you, you i, I call, don't know how you
3: would how you
2: could limit it to one the router on the poll is fun just because of the comments that it elicits on social media but When we first started using a router, it was like, this is so much easier. And we always talked about putting it on a pole, but, you know, like all good framers, you don't, you don't take the time. But I I would say that looking back over the last 25 years, my favorite tool is telehandler.
1: Mm, That's a great tool.
2: I mean, it's so versatile. Not that you're supposed to do this, but we filled in ditches with it. You know, (laughs) like you just pushed the forks and we um, just being able to move material. It's just it changed how we did everything and then it added years, easily added a decade to, to being able to be on site. And now mm-hmm. if it still works, you know, Magni's supposed to ship us a machine um two weeks from now, three weeks from now, and it and then then it's a rotator forklift with remote control. And all of a sudden, like lifting the walls today, we would have just planted the machine and we could have just lifted anything anywhere we wanted, you know, attachments, man basket, um, trust jib you can't tip it unless you turn off the safeties i mean it's unreal and i think i think that's going to add a whole element of fun where you're like oh man now we have a forklift that can stay in one place but rotate
0: i I got one for you mike as geeky as this is going to make me sound honestly the personal computer like right now we're on a laptop and i've got you know quickbooks bluebeam Outlook as some of my shortcuts, so efficient. And then uh, I've done pretty much everything up to the cloud as far as all of my file management. So the efficiencies that can be gained by utilizing technology, uh, in my opinion, very rationally. I get people periodically who will DM me asking if I'm using BuilderTrend or other software no, is the answer. In my opinion, the, uh, for our company, it takes a certain level of organization to need to, be, to, need to have those specialized tools. And, and we just don't need them as a spec builder. We can utilize mostly free software, but the amount of things that can be done efficiently from a computer, we couldn't do what we do now on with very few man hours that we actually put into the company, but I think we're able to produce outsized because of our um, focus on efficiencies.
3: Okay, what is the most useful tool? Screwdriver. I wish I had the quote in front of me of Andy Bernard
2: talking about his brain, which he will (laughs) use to do. Um, Man, useful tool. Can I, I, I'd give a class. I would say um, cordless tools. They, they, um, and we were just talking about this, not having to drag a cord around, roll it out, take care of it, you know, worry about electricity tripping. Like, I think if I suddenly right now, you know, went through a wormhole and came out in, you know, what, 2013, I would be like, we're working way harder than we need to, to do the same task. It's gotten a lot easier with cordless tools. So I'm just going to, I'm going
3: to kind of default or, uh take the easy way out and say that class of tools. I like that you guys are giving me classes. This is a class of tools. And these, um, these, these are,
1: these are, are a, a new wave of answers I'm getting for these questions. Because now is the, where have you been on my life tool?
2: Ah, now I can't say Cordless tools.
1: You can, you can say, say whatever name. you want. <laughs> you, can, you, you can actually, A lot of people answer with the same one every time. So.
0: All right, I'll I'll give one without putting a whole lot of thought into it. Uh, Oh, firm grip tools, firm grip gloves just sent me out three pairs of, uh, of gloves. And they're the ones that have like the rubber on the top and everything. And it was like, do I really? Well, and I tried them on and they were pretty flexible. Today I was using them doing septic system troubleshooting. So it was kind of nice to just, your hand became more of a shovel in being able just to get in there. And I mean, I've used millions of gloves, but I really like these. So that's my flavor of the month today, uh, since we're recording and I was using them. Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't have thought this
3: until Brian said that, but the... Wearing work clothes that are made to stretch, like way
2: back, I think it was probably 10 years ago, I had a pair of Duluth trading, you know, their flex fire hose pants. And I just remember climbing ladders being like, this is so much easier. And now I, I only wear true work and have for like the last three or four years. And everything I wear now is stretch. I have one or two pairs of jeans, but they're a cool brand. So they're for climbers. They mm-hmm. stretch. I could, I just always hated the old Carhartts going up and down ladders, I would actually buy them oversized just to get a little extra room in the legs for going up and down ladders. So it is so much more comfortable to work last summer, wearing clothes that are made for heat, like the same job and the same temperature is far more comfortable now than it used to be. And it's like, you couldn't have convinced me 10 years ago to wear long sleeves in the sun. And now I do and I'm cooler, feeling cooler, not necessarily a cooler person. But it's Yeah, it's like, Oh, this is so nice.
0: All your pants are cool pants, t- to me. Yeah, that's.
2: from Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, going back to what you're saying about the cordless tools, I was thinking about that. And you were saying, if you had to go back to 2013. And I remember my crew rolling out hoses, cords, tangles, and just like, and the battery stuff started coming along. And, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get some battery stuff. And they're like, no, nah. like, why would you do that? You know, and look at us now, now i got piles of pneumatic tools that will, they're,
2: they're like boat anch- they're
1: good for a boat anchor at this point.
2: Yeah. Well, dad used to say that, uh, we'd roll out every cord and roll them up every day. And then we were just like, is it really worth doing that? And he's like, you know what, if you factored in the 10 minutes on either end of the day, times a year, you know, however many work days that year, just leave them out. If they get trashed by a new one at the end of the year. Well, we didn't really even have to buy new ones until we started driving over with the forklifts. And we had to be a little bit more careful there. But it was like, no one steals cords. Just leave them out. What's the point of, you know, just grab the power tools, put them in the van and then go home. And it was like, so some of those lessons, like I have people speaking of the router, they're like, well, you're going to burn that thing up. I don't care. It's a cheap tool. And it made me money the whole time. So if I burn it up every three years, that's what we're supposed to use tools. Like mm-hmm. you don't not drive because you know that you're going to have wear and tear and change the oil. It's like, so I think sometimes maybe even that's like a segue back to the, I'm not going to change the direction, but trying to be rational, make rational decisions is like, do I care if I have to replace this saw in three years? Or do I care that battery powered is more expensive? Even if I factor in a good quality cord, do I really care that it is because now I save it all the time rolling up? It never snags. Like I've had it come out of my hand because the cord snagged as you walk and then it falls Mm -hmm. off the roof. And it's like, all that stupid stuff. Now we can just avoid all of it. No trip hazards. Mm -hmm. I mean, you factor all of that in. Uh, Like a guy I was talking to recently, he broke his back because he tripped on the job site carrying something. And it was a small step and he just fell the wrong way. Hmm. And it's like, it is those little things that can make a big difference. So not dragging a cord around is, is huge.
3: Absolutely. Is there anyone you guys want to give a shout out to today?
0: I'll do An easy one. I looked back to see when I first started watching Reisinger on YouTube. And uh, it was like one or two back in, I don't know if it was 2019 or 2016 or what it was. And then you could see my watch history on YouTube periodically, watch him a little bit more. And then eventually I was at uh, the office, second screening, and I would just play all of his YouTube videos, you know, and I have watched or listened to almost all of them. He really put so much of this on the map. Uh, there, there were other guys doing things, but just a huge uh, shout out of gratitude to what he did and his consistency for as many years as he's been doing i think a lot of us indirectly or directly can attribute a good part of what we're doing to to matt honestly
2: yeah i have a hard time with a shout out question i'm pretty picky who i follow on instagram because i just don't have time to try and keep up with it and all the stories um I I'm still really a big fan of April Wilkerson. She's kind of more in the DIY category, but she's huge on YouTube. And so I met her at a keen event like five years ago and I didn't know who she was. She didn't know who I was. And I didn't know she had a million followers plus on YouTube. But what I really, really respect about April is that she just works. And there's others too. Anna of all trades works. I really like following accounts where, where the, you know, sometimes people are funny and you follow them because they're funny. And other times it's like, you know, meeting April and Ann, there's really no reason for me to follow either of their accounts. You know, Ann does a lot of farming and things. And April is she's got like a CNC machine in a, in a big shop now down outside of Dallas. It's not, it's not really the same type of thing that I'm doing. Like other accounts I follow like Ryan, because I learned something theirs doesn't directly translate, but I just love people who work and don't take themselves seriously. Like Anne's always got her pictures with the donkeys and Fluffy Butt Friday with the alpacas. And I just, I really appreciate accounts like that. And I'm very partial to female accounts. There's a a young woman in New Zealand, Chelsea, who's gone through the apprenticeship and boy, she lets it all hang out. She loves to learn new stuff. She's out there and it's snowing on them. And now she's in charge of a job and it's
3: stressing her out. And I just, I love the, um, I just love that part of it. I think I'm going to start doing a fluffy butt Friday. (laughs) Right. Right.
1: Everybody out there listening couldn't see Brian and I both like slowly. (laughs) Growing big grins is after Fluffy Butt Friday.
2: Oh, the Fluffy Butt Friday when Nicky and I were in Iceland, you know, there was a bunch of sheep. That's what they always call them. The, the one guy at the uh, camper van rental, he was French, I think. And he kept talking about the sheep. You got you to be, you know, you got to watch out for the sheep. So don't drive too fast. And it was the cutest thing. And sure enough, these, you know, Icelanders are trying to get their sheep off the road and watching their little fluffy butts as they ran. I mean, we, we were taking videos, you know, it's like five miles an hour. Is the cutest thing. So it's like, yeah, we should do Fluffy Butt Friday. Post your dog, or <laughs> anyway, go follow Anna of All Trades, and then you know what I'm talking about.
3: we Will do.
1: All right, you guys. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out to be here with me today.
2: Thanks for the invite. Yeah,
0: it was enjoyable. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. Today's shout out. From me goes to Jasper Lyles of Proficient Builders. Thanks for the conversation as always, and thank you for the kind review you left for the Contracting Handbook Podcast. And I'm going to double down on Tim and Brian's advice for anybody in the building industry. Don't take yourself so seriously. And I'm going to add on, never let pride get in the way. All right, you guys, write those reviews. You know where to do it. You know what to do. Write the review. That's all I got. Later.